0: you uh we are talking about um the cross dealing with sin and i had talked about how because many believers do not understand the work of the cross past the forgiveness of sins that means a lot of things that the lord's provided for by the cross we try and fix or figure out by ourselves in our own ability and this leads to faulty ways of dealing with sin and um of course the the, the centrality of the cross deals with more than sin only but that's what we're looking at right now and sin face it is a huge factor for us because when we aren't actually sinning many times we're thinking about it <laughs> we're thinking about the sins we've meaning we've we're thinking about the sins we've committed we are we deal with regret we deal with a sense of condemnation a lot we deal with a need to um, perhaps hide our actions out of fear of what our brothers and sisters would think of us or fear of what we think of ourselves so a lot of what believers um, are doing on the inside a lot of their interior life, deals with sin on some level all the time now i will tell you right now that it is my opinion and i will just say that it is my opinion that um that leaves us far short of what the lord actually intended for us when his son died on the cross okay and that we are supposed to come into a place of relationship where there is no more consciousness of sins and that is a verse out of hebrews chapter 10 um that the whole idea of the lord dealing with sin was that the that that the um provision was so complete that it was supposed to be able if we embrace it properly and and know it properly it can take us right out of thinking about sins all the time and being bound by sin all the time i am not at this point addressing the idea of sinless perfection or or even trying to answer that question i'm not saying that you'll never sin again i'm saying that you're not going to be bound by and in in your interior life in your mind and in your emotions by fears guilt shame and all these secondary symptoms that sin brings um because you will be resting wholly upon the finished work of the cross. Okay, So what we are seeing here is that Jesus did not only die to forgive the sins, but he also died to put to death um, the sinner. And so it's not just a work of substitution, but we have looked at a work of identification now. And yes, it will always be Jesus' death. It's not you dying. It is actually him dying, and you get to partake of the benefit of the state of being dead okay he does all the dying he did all the suffering it is his death that the father accepts we've gone over this you know more than once and you get to by your faith enter into the state of deadness to sins and it is not a feeling and it is not an experience it is a faith relationship okay and it begins but there needs to be a constant strengthening and a reaffirming in that until you're stable in it and even then you'll revisit different aspects of the cross again and again through your life then the lord will bring about a greater understanding of even the work of the cross in reference to sin or the work of the cross in reference to the law or whatever there will be a constant opening of your eyes as you go but there needs to be an initial working into you of a spiritual knowledge of knowing that christ died and that you were made to be dead that christ was raised from the dead and now you walk in newness of life okay and this is a work of the spirit in your heart to make what is true in christ real in you and um What's true in Christ is true in Christ whether you ever get it or not. Okay, And that is so wonderful in a certain sense because the Father always thinks that you're dead to sin, even if you're sinning. (laughs) And that's just wonderful because his view doesn't change based on your ignorance, your knowledge, your success rate, your success-failure ratio in reference to sin. He thinks you're dead to sin. And he's so convinced of that that he's not even worried anymore. He's moved on to other things and wants to deal with you as a son. Okay, it's us. It's our minds to get off flipped out about it because what did I say earlier? Our interior life is so caught up in a sin consciousness without even realizing it that we are dominated by not only the sins that we do, but the fear of sinning, the shame of having sinned. The need to justify ourselves once we've sinned because we really don't understand the provision of the cross. And the list goes on and on. Okay. So, but the Lord is better than we think he is. And the provision of the cross is greater than we, could, we can conceive of. Okay. And whatever the need is for Christ, it's provided at the cross. And it's our, it's already provided whether you have learned to tap into it or not. And the Father is so gracious that he goes by his view and not ours. And um, that I am so thrilled about. And what grace and what beautiful assurance and security is in that when you begin to understand. It's not even ultimately about me knowing, though I do need to know this by revelation. It's ultimately about what the Father knows. And as long as the Father knows it, <laughs> I'm secure in the journey that I take and in my process of learning, even if it takes me a while or if it, even if I tend to slide into condemnation a lot or whatever. I'm secure even then because my fa- as long as I'm trusting my Father and trusting that the work of the cross is true, basically even if i'm still working through some of these specifics okay the father provided for us he provided fully he did not give a cheap gift that wears out or breaks or runs out jesus died to sin he didn't just die for sin he died to sin and we were in him we were identified in we were identified in him as far as the father's concerned and as we know this we of our own volition will identify in christ too and that's when you begin to see a whole change in in mindset, in view, in motive, in action. It changes everything, and this is again a process that um, may begin at an initial you know epiphany moment, but it will be something you're always learning and growing in. Um, so praise the Lord for His His great great plan of salvation and His great um, work on the cross. <clears throat> so that's kind of what we were talking about. Um, I'm going to pick up now in Romans chapter six, and we'll be uh, starting in verse five, and hopefully. We will get through this today and perhaps even into chapter 7 a little bit too. Um, Okay, verse 5. Well, I'm going to start reading in verse 4, but we're going to start talking in verse 5 here. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, back up in verse 5 um if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also of the resurrection in the likeness of his resurrection we shall be also of the resurrection that's because the death and the resurrection are actually one thing they're not two separate they're not two things that you can separate there's death and there's resurrection and we can separate them in conversation and we can separate them in theology and draw a cross for death and draw a circle on one side of the cross for resurrection. And that's fine for teaching and to demonstrate and illustrate. But the fact of the matter is, wherever you find the working of Jesus' death, resurrection is inevitable because the two are one. Okay? Resurrection is the outgrowth of Jesus' death in much the same way as a plant comes out of the planting of, of a seed. A flower comes out of a seed. You don't, If you want a flower, you've got to have a seed. Okay, if you want an apple tree, you gotta plant an apple apple seed. If you want wheat, you, you plant a grain of wheat. And you may have if you have the wheat, if you have that little corn or that little grain, you have the stalk, okay, you have roots, and you have a harvest. So planting the seeds like death. Okay, you buried in the ground and that outward shell begins to decompose and the germ on the inside begins to, to break through and, and increase. Okay. Um, the cross is like Jesus being planted. Jesus was the seed. Perhaps you are thinking of John twelve twenty four right now, except a corn of wheat falling into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. Jesus was referring to himself when he said that he was the grain of wheat. Okay. Um, now this is a different aspect of the cross that we're really not discussing right now because this, this is true, whether there's sin or not. But my point is here in verse five, Paul is saying that if you have Jesus's death, if you embrace His death, you will experience the life that comes forth from His resurrection. Okay, well, a lot of times where we get mixed up as believers is um, in the unrenewed mind because the cross is the carnal mind's just worst nightmare. We can't get past that. It's scary. It's bad. Um, <coughs> it shows us up. It's what we run, it's what we run from just instinctively, but. And so a lot of times what, what people will teach or people think about knowing the Lord is somehow I just have to have more of his life. I just have to have more of his life. Well, the only way for his life to work in you is for you to embrace his death, okay? You don't get life, the life of Jesus, apart from his death. Our way in to the new creation is the cross. That's the that's the entry way. That's the way in, okay? So if you ignore the cross and just go for all the life, then you actually never really get the life because the life comes out of his death, okay? So it's real important... That we understand that the cross is foundational to everything spiritual, everything in Christ, everything that, that you desire as far as an increase of fruit in coming forth from you, any kind of ministry, any kind of conformity, any type of spiritual understanding. It all begins with being rooted in Jesus's death. OK, that is the beginning of everything for us. OK, now Jesus was all those things before the cross, but the only way we get in there is identifying in his death. That's where we begin. Okay, so if you want to have a renewed mind, you know, if you want Jesus to come out of you on a regular basis, if you want to be conformed to the image of the Son, the best way to start is by simply believing into His death. (laughs) Okay, everything follows that. Everything else that you want comes out of that. But if you decide, well, I'm going to skip that step, I don't need that. That's just, you know, for people who feel like they need to sacrifice or whatever. And say, I'm here. It's all about life. Jesus lives. I want to. I want to live His life. You know, it's, Jesus died, and that's over with. But it's life now. And if you take that approach and ignore where life the life of jesus comes from for you then what you'll end up doing is t- finding that you need to take a few hard lessons and going back and having to embrace the cross anyway <laughs> okay so so and that's okay if you need to take those few extra lessons that's okay because the lord's with you in it and i'm i know all about extra lessons you know i was one of those stair skippers you know how you run up the stairs and you skip steps and you trip and fall all the way back down well it's best to just take them one at a time as the lord has ordered them for you and you will actually get up to the top quicker to taking the steps that are right in front of you than trying to hop up as many steps as you can one at a time and risk, you know, breaking your neck. So, and it happens in the Lord too. So, I mean, if you feel the need to figure that out on your own, you, you go right ahead. Um, but I will tell you, it will it will save a little difficulty if you can just go ahead and, you know, start with where Jesus starts and, and, <laughs> and not try to get ahead of where he's dealing in your life, you know. And um, <clears throat> so we're talking about embracing the cross and dying with Christ. And again, I just want to say, and I know I've said it before, but this is not your death. It's not something that you experience. If you feel like you're dying, this is something you believe into. Jesus did had the experience on this one. Okay, Jesus did the dying, and you're believing into a state of being dead. You're not. As we heard earlier this week on Sunday, we are not making pilgrimages and being nailed to crosses to show our spiritual commitment. Jesus had all the spiritual commitment that we need, and if we abide in him, his life is ours, okay? Jesus died all the death the Father required, and if we abide in him, his death begins to work in us, okay? On these type of issues, life, freedom from sin, and things like this. But it is a faith relationship first. Are there ways that, that his death works in us, that life works in others? Yes, but I will I will suggest to you that until you fully grasp our total and complete break with sin— This sense of needing to die for our own redemption is going to click back in. And every time the Lord puts you in a situation to lay on your life for someone else, you're going to think... this is happening to me because of what I did over here or this is happening to me because God's dealing with me about well this is happening to me because this area of me needs to die and it will always be all about me and all about my problems and all about my sins and what he needs in that situation is a son who grasps that that there needs to be a manifestation of Christ on the behalf of others at that time and that's a whole different understanding of the cross than understanding your death with Christ and if you don't really understand how truly death has been just uh, sin has been completely dealt with in the father's heart and he is just he's so done with that subject he is so settled and so satisfied with the price of Jesus' death that when that is working to you then you can be a son and express Christ in a situation if before that time he puts you into those kind of situations, you're just going to think, what did I do wrong? Why am I suffering like this? I must be suffering like this because I opened the door to the enemy. I must be suffering like this because I didn't put Jesus first three years ago when such and such and such happened. I must be suffering like this because I'm a really impatient person and God's trying to teach me patience. And we, we figure out all these other reasons of why it must be our failures that this is happening to us. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus suffered more than any other human being in going to the cross. We Our frame probably could not not even bear what he bore as the Son of God. And it wasn't any of his fault. Okay? And if you're going to be conformed to his image, you're going to end up going through some things that are not your fault. Does that mean that you don't do things wrong? No, of course you're still going to do things wrong in those situations and everything else. Because we're people, you know. But the fact of the matter is, part of Jesus' suffering that works in him, that will work in you, is laying down your life the just for the unjust. The implication being that you're not the unjust in that situation if you're the one that's living Christ. So if you're thinking, well, it's about me and my sin and my problem, then that just pretty much miscarries the whole, the whole increase of Christ in the situation. But if you really have entered into your death with Christ, I am dead with Christ. He's not dealing with a sinner anymore. He's trying to get life to flow through a member of his body. I am dead to sin. And every time sin pops up, you go, hey, dead to sin (laughs) and embrace by faith that relationship that you have with him, identified in him, then he will, you will be renewed and washed enough in your understanding that he can put you in any situation. And if it's a situation where you need to be dealt with, and you, you'll know that that's what that is. Or if it's a situation where he needs his sun to shine, you'll know that and you can go with that, even if you've done something wrong over here. And you know you've done something wrong, but you know. But I did something wrong over here. But this is a situation of the sun shining, and I'm going with that now. But that has to be so worked in our hearts that there's no more consciousness of sins. That that does not drive us. That is not what colors our view of of our whole relationship with the Lord. Because being dead to sin really means that we come into a relationship where sin is not a factor. God's not dealing with sin, dealing with sin, dealing with sin. He's dealing with sons. Okay. And... It causes all kinds of misunderstanding. When we think he's dealing with our sin, he's really trying to deal with us as sons and grow us up into him in maturity. Okay, so this is an area where we must know, we must know, we must know, and we see it. We saw it in verse 3. Know you not that as many of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified... This is not, again, head knowledge. This is spirit knowing. Paul's not talking about accumulating the facts and the doctrine of it. It's okay to become familiarized with the facts of the doctrine. But what will be transforming knowledge is not facts and doctrine. What is transforming knowledge is the eyes of your heart being opened. And what you've heard from other people and what you've, what's born witness in your heart and say, yeah, this is right, this is right. You see it for yourself and you see it with such power and such, um, finality that it actually transforms your motives and how you begin to walk every single day and it's the only thing that can it's the only thing that can so it's one thing if you have his death you have his life you don't just go get his life we need life we need life you need life if a situation is dead and needs life then you bring the death of jesus into it okay um if the death the situation of death is you full of sin the answer is not try to get strong enough and have more life the answer is to embrace jesus's death because he died to sin he died to sin okay you don't have to die to sin you will never die to sin adam will never ever permit such an indignity to be done upon him okay jesus had to go do that and he put you in him and you just say okay i accept it i accept the work for me okay and it's a faith statement okay <clears> okay <throat> Uh, verse six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Some of you who do not have a King James translation might have something that says that the body of sin might be done away or rendered inoperative. Anyone have something like that in their translation? Rendered inoperative is really the best way to say it because it doesn't actually kill the body of sin in the sense of your physical body's not dead. (laughs) And you probably just sinned right before you came in here. Or sometime today, you probably did something that you knew. You know, so so if you're... If, I mean, that would be a huge disconnect. <laughs> um, to say that it was destroyed because it wasn't. But to be rendered inoperative operative is much better. is a much better translation. And it is actually accurate. Because what happens is, in the individual, there are still tendencies to sin. Even after you get saved. Anyone say amen? Okay. Um, but because you are in Christ, the laws of union, if you will, apply to whoever believes into it and it will supersede the law that's working in your members. Okay, so you've got a law in your members. It's like this, and this is an old this is an old example, maybe all you've heard it, but I'm going to say it again. It's like the law of gravity. Now, I don't care how many times you lift weights, how well you condition your body, okay? If you take a flying leap off the Empire State Building, you will end up on the sidewalk. Okay? Because of the law of gravity. You can't break the law of gravity. Did you know that? Actually, a real law, you can't break. The whole idea of a law is something that cannot be broken. Now, when you break the speed limit, that's more like an ordinance. Okay? A law is something that cannot be broken. It's always a a given. All the time. Okay? So the law of gravity is a law. Okay? The only way to get around the law of gravity is to find a law that is stronger. Well... Airplanes fly all the time, and they use the law of aerodynamics. They have harnessed a law that says if you have a certain amount of air pressure underneath a certain type of wingspan, that will lift you, and you won't have to stay planted on the earth. You can actually be above the earth and you know be in less accidents than if you're driving a car on the highways. It's actually a safer way to travel. Okay, The law of sin and death is going to be with us as long as we're on planet Earth, okay? It's, it's just, and you feel the tug. Even when you don't go with it, you feel its tug from time. There's that temptation to lie, or there's that temptation to backstab somebody. Even if you would never have backstabbed that person, all of a sudden this thought comes up, well, I can, I can remedy the situation. I'll just say such and such about so-and-so to sister so-and-so, and that'll fix that problem. I mean, And you go, why am I thinking that? Where did that come from? Well, there's, there's this tendency towards us, towards that in us, to be that way, okay? And it's a law, and you're not going to break that law that's in us but there's a law that supersedes it there's a law that's more powerful it doesn't it didn't break the law it renders it ineffective when it this other law renders it ineffective when it comes into play okay and it comes into play when you understand that you are in christ and have been baptized into his death okay it'll render every other weaker law ineffective So you might have that. Let's say you have a problem with overeating. Let's say that's your thing. You can't, you see, you see donuts and like life stops, okay, until you are gratified. And I know that's a funny example, but it may not be, I mean, you've got areas like this. It's not funny. You know, there's, and it's much more serious than donuts for some people, but there's areas of shame, shameful, guilt-ridden activities that they just can't seem to stop and have no guard against. If if they're in that situation, they go for it. And, um. That law is not going to be broken, okay? The only way to deal with that, the only way to deal with that is to find a law where those cravings do not apply, okay? And that's in Christ. Because Jesus took that old man to the grave who has those tendencies towards you know, selfishness that manifests as gluttony or greed or ambition, you know, or, you know, the tendency to power, the tendency towards lust, all these things. He took that man who has those things working in him by nature. He took him to the grave and crucified him in the person of his son. Okay. So as far as God's concerned, as as long as Jesus's death is, is a fact, the old sin, nature's death is also a fact. Okay. But because we have not believed into his his being, believed into Christ, we do not benefit from his death. Okay? Now, we are in Christ. Okay? We are in Christ. And the Lord thinks that we're dead to sin because he treats us that way. But we don't relate that way. And we don't relate that way until we spiritually know it. Okay? Until there's an eye-opening experience in our hearts. And we say, he died, I'm dead. He was raised, I live. Okay? (laughs) And say, I believe it. And you stand on that even when your own actions and thoughts are contrary you stand on it you refuse to put your hand to it you refuse to say i'm going to set up a standard for myself you refuse to say i'm going to put myself under the law you refuse to say to, to gain righteousness with god you you say i refuse to let my actions dictate my identity the cross of christ dictates my identity and the cross which is already central is now becoming central in your heart okay it is as you abide in him that these realities start actually working through you. They start to work through your being, and they begin to work themselves out. Okay, so the body of sin is rendered inoperative so that we wouldn't serve it. Oh, now we know what the goal is here, part of it anyway. God doesn't want us to serve sin. He doesn't want us to be dominated, okay? He's He's not up, upstairs in heaven looking down with glee for the opportunity to punish you. This gives him no pleasure to see... The ones that he pays such a high price for being bound and dominated by everything that's not God, that's not Jesus. Okay? It grieves his heart. And while his anger has been dealt with because all of the wrath that mankind deserved got poured out on Jesus, he really, really doesn't want you to serve sin. Okay? And he's not up there going, Gotcha! You serve sin! Now I'm mad. That's not... Okay, I know that's what we think unconsciously about how he is. Okay? That is not how he is. He really is thinking, if you would only know, then you would stop. If you only knew by the Holy Spirit, then it wouldn't be there. <laughs> and it's a whole different view. And he's not condemning you because you're in Christ. He's not saying you didn't sin. Oh, it's okay that you sinned. You're in Christ. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you only knew you were in Christ, you would know I'm not. I don't condemn you. You know, if you only knew you were in Christ, you knew that you'd be dead to sin and alive to God. And so his whole view is totally different. And so that's why when you come to him upset with yourself because you know what you've done is displeasing and you hate it because you love Jesus and his life is in you. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I don't deserve any more grace. Um, But here I am anyway. He says, you're one with me. You've got my life in you. And there's like not a hint of condemnation or rebuke. Or um rejection or judgment, because all that already happened in Christ, okay now there is a chastising of sons that does go on that is true there is chastisement, but he doesn 't chastise sin, he puts sin to death, he chastises sons so that they might be partakers of holiness that 's a whole different thing so if he's going if he 's going to deal with you if he 's going to turn you over his you know metaphorical knee okay and 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 tan your hide. <laughs> then he's going to do that because he accepts you as a son, not because you've sinned. Okay. Sin is dealt with at the cross. It is utterly rejected. He will never, ever deal with sin. Okay. He will deal with you to see your true place in Christ. Okay. He's not going to deal with your sin. Not the way we think anyway. All right. He dealt with sin. He wants you to see what the dealing was. And when you do, you'll instantly conform to it just like that. And I'm telling you, it is possible to walk away from actions and thoughts that have dominated you all your life. It is possible. But it's never going to be because you get strong enough. And it's never going to be because you get dealt with enough that you're sorry enough. Okay, if you do enough scripture searching or enough fast, it's going to be when you know. That you know. And you go, oh my goodness. Adam is gone as far as God is concerned. Now he's walking around on planet earth all day long, but as far in God's heart, in reference to his people... Adam's done. He's not dealing with, he has washed his hands of Adam. I like how Barbara Samuel always kind of did this. He's washed his hands of Adam. He's done. He's not talking to Adam. He's not negotiating with Adam. He's not pleading with Adam. Okay. He's not spanking Adam. He's not condemning Adam. Adam is done and he's rotted in the grave and God has moved on. He's totally moved on. Okay. in his heart. Now he's still dealing with us, perhaps, you know, to move on. But he's he's not holding anything against you or running out of patience with you because as far as he's concerned, you're dead anyway, you know. Whatever he's going to run out of patience with, he put in the grave, so that wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> and you have been raised up in Christ in a place of total acceptance in the Son and in, in a life that does not sin. And that's where the Father relates to you now, and that's where he talks to you. And that's why he always comes from that place, even when you've just, you know, been wallowing in the pig pen or you know running off into foreign foreign countries and joining yourselves to citizens of that land he's still just as much the father you know and is is you're his son by christ you know okay so verse seven for he that is dead is freed from sin but that's not it it's not just about being dead and i said this before and i'm going to say it again death is huge because it totally frees you from everything that had a hold on you but god's just not trying to kill everybody Okay, he could have done that without sending his son to the cross. He could have just just wiped out the human race and everyone would have been dead. No more sin, no more flesh for the enemy to work on, no more carnal mind. But see, he's just not into killing everything. That's not his thing, okay? He's not just... I don't know why we think what we do, but if we just sat down and really thought about what we think, we go, well, that's dumb. Why do I think that? And it would be really nice, you know, if we started to... Just well, now, wait a second. I'm thinking. Am I thinking that God just wants me to die all the time? And that's what He wants. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why would He want that? And it could actually drive you to, to embrace a more rational view, which would be the Word of God. And I remember when I started to realize this that, that most of my fears and my issues of how I viewed the Lord and everything were just not even based in anything rational. It wasn't. It didn't even make any sense. It's just. This, it was this hazy. Um missed over everything I saw. It It didn't make any sense. If I just sat down and thought about it, I was like, that's really stupid. Why would I even think that? But I I embraced it and believed it anyway because it it was just always there and so normal and so familiar and the way it always was. But just to sit down and just, where is this condemnation coming from? If Jesus says I'm dead with him, then why am I still letting this have a hold on me? And just sit down and just wait before the Lord and ask him, well, this is totally incongruent with what you've made me in Christ. Can you please tell me what's going on? And he will show you. And he will bring you in. But to just passively accept the condemnation, guilt haze, and the you know the hazy view we have of someone up there that we call the Father that has absolutely no basis in anything other than the imagination of our minds, the vain imagination. Um, to actively pursue, you know, an image, the true image of Christ, and have Christ formed, have that image properly formed in us, will save us a lot of. Um, Aimless wandering okay and and fears and knee-jerk reactions and run and hide things and self justifications it'll just it just wipes all that away um but to be willing to stand and let the lord show you you know where why, why am i thinking of this what's up with this this isn't what your word says <clears throat> okay so it's not just about death you are freed from sin if you're dead But God's plan doesn't go forward and doesn't do much for you either just to be dead. Okay? (laughs) The goal is life. The reason there's a cross is so that there can be life. Okay? The cross does not only bring death, the cross brings life. As a matter of fact, the only reason that the cross brings death is so that there can be life. The goal is life. The goal is not dealing with you so that you don't sin. The goal is not a sinless Debbie or a sinless Mallory or a sinless Josiah. The goal is Christ who is life living and is life okay but as long as there's a conflicting life if you will or a conflicting source should i say because adam is dead and we are living in death if you will um there's no room for him okay so he needs to deal with these things in us and bring us to the cross so that what was slain at the cross can manifest as dead in us and then christ has a clear has a clear pathway through. But there there can't be this co-mingling, you see, of here's a little bit of Adam and here's a little bit of Jesus, and oh sometimes it's Adam and sometimes it's Jesus and sometimes it's both. So when you get up to minister, okay, people just don't know what to do, like you know, they're constantly like, because oh, oh, they get this mingling. They get they hear Jesus in there but they hear other garbage too and it's just and they're like why aren't you receiving what I'm saying? I'm sharing Christ well yeah but with you know adam motives and adam attitudes and you see what i'm saying you get this mingling thing and that's not see that's a lack of the work of the cross the cross totally put adam away he's all dead it's not like the princess bride where he was mostly dead right (laughs) he is adam is all dead he's not going to be resuscitated okay he is so dead he's not there's no magic thing that's going to bring Adam back okay God is done 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 with the old man okay and part of understanding the cross is realizing the doneness and that there is this gap in time of three days between when Jesus died and when he came out of the tomb that is no man's land that is burial and there was not like Jesus went on the cross you know dead I'm alive Get me off the cross. Like there's like no, there, there's no, there's like a little crossover. He died, then came back to life. He was dead for days. His disciples gave up on him and went back to fishing. Okay. Like he was so dead that everyone said, was able to accept it and say, that's it then. It's just totally dead. Okay. So when Jesus took Adam to the cross and put him to death, he's totally dead. Okay, There's no commingling. There's no a little bit of stuff slipping past the cross. Hangs on the cross till he's dead, but it's buried for three days, and something brand new comes out. And you were in Christ when he died, and you were in Christ when he came out of the grave, and you were in Christ when he was buried that whole time. So there's no mingling in you between sin and Christ. Okay? And whatever... And I'm not saying that it's like 100% Jesus in you or 100% sin. I know there can be areas where Jesus flows. Okay? And I know there can be areas where it's, you know, definitely me or definitely you. But... But when you are moving with that conformity, when you are moving with where he has been, he has found a place in you, it is pure and it is right. And there is no excuse in your heart. You leave no room for excuse in your heart for what isn't Christ. Because you say, every time you see something in you, you don't say, well, I've come so far. Give me grace. You say, you know what? Until, well, that cross put everything to death. And some of that stuff is ignoring the cross. And I will not be satisfied until what's true there is true right here. No excuses. Maybe the Lord has me on a timetable. Maybe there's something to be dealt with in the future. But no excuses from me. No excuses for me so that I have to, you know, impose my Adamic garbage on my brothers and sisters and say you have to have Christ for me until I'm dealt with. No, no, no. No excuses here. It's not Christ. Father, it's not Christ in me and it's not okay with me. I don't offer you any excuses. I ask for your grace, but ask no excuses. And I want, this is an evidence to me that I do not fully know your cross. So I go back to the word of God. Open my eyes to see Jesus, see Jesus. Show me what where I am not identified. Where am I moving out from myself instead of out from you? Show me. And he will. And he does it. And once again, you see the cross. And once again, you are conformed to his image. It's just wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but there has to be that complete break in our own minds you know, a complete break in our own minds and in our own hearts between what is Adam and what is Christ and the death and the life. And there's not a mingling of the two where you have this, like, half-breed or this Frankenstein creature running around where part of it's, you know, Jesus sewn over in patches onto my Adamic being. Or you've got a basic Jesus person hanging out with, like, occasional, like, alien atoms popping out of his chest and, like, doing creepy stuff. You know, you, you want it to be Christ, you know, all the time. Not these these weird, perverse aberrations that are, and people never know what they're going to get when, when we walk down the road, you know. Um, totally dead before totally brought out of the grave, okay? Um, and the goal is life. Um, verse 8, Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Okay, well, I'm in Christ. So it's life everlasting now. Okay. Now this body may you know fall off because it can't keep up if you want to put it like that. But as long as Jesus is alive, you're alive. And physical death doesn't mean that much because your main death happened with Jesus. okay? And if there was no such place as heaven, I'm not saying there is, I'm just saying totally hypothetical. And so, where you had no consciousness of being in a really happy place like heaven, you would still live, because Christ is your life now. Okay? The body can't, this, this earth body just can't keep up with eternal life. It just can't last that long. Okay? But Christ is in you now. Okay? And you live with no more hold. Death has no more hold on you. Now, our minds may need to be renewed to that. We may still be afraid to die or get in life-threatening situations, and we panic or whatever. But that, again, is an instance of not knowing. Because if we really know his death, and I include myself in this, I'm not saying I've got all this, I'm just saying let's let's set the standard to what it is and not make excuses because, you know, hey, if you shoot for the, if you shoot for the stars and hit the moon, that's not so bad, but if you only shoot for the ceiling, that's as far as you're ever going to go. So let's just call it what it is and go for it, right? <laughs> you know, you never know where you might end up in Jesus if you just, you know, say the truth as it is. You know, death is not supposed to have a hold on us. Death doesn't have a hold on us in Christ. But if we live according to the old nature death is a constant fear and everything is working against death in us, unconsciously and everything is just working against it, it's working against it okay, but in Christ death is done, Jesus died that's our death, that death has to be more our death than our physical death because by the time our physical death rolls around the idea would be that we'd be living in Christ in our life, and our body just falls off okay so um, death has no more dominion over him for in that he died, he died unto sin once but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And I I know I've been saying this all along, but I'm going to say it again because the word says it. He died once. God dealt with sin one time in one person. He is not dealing with sin in you. He's not pointing out sin in you and then you say, oh, I need to die to that. Okay? There was one dealing with sin. It resulted in one death. That was the death of Jesus Christ. And you died then. There's not going to be a dealing about death in you. He's not going to make you feel like you're dying. Okay? You already are dead. You didn't die, you are dead. Jesus died, you're in him. You didn't you weren't physically there. He did it, but you are enjoying the state and benefits of deadness. Okay? That's 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 what it is. And you also enjoy the state and benefits of resurrection and his life, okay? <clears throat> Okay, so he died unto sin once, and in that he liveth. Here's the quality of his life now. He liveth. It's not a state of being sinless. You died to sin, and now it is Debbie sinless and Nicole sinless. No, no, no. The life that came out of the grave was not Debbie's life or Nicole's life or Mallory's life or anyone's life, sinless and improved, not new and improved, okay? The life that came out of the grave was Jesus Christ's life. Nobody else's life came out of that grave. He's the only one who got raised, Okay? So if you have any life in you now, it must be his life. And his life has a very specific quality. His life only cares about the things of God. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there's still this tendency in our minds to think that somehow the goal is no more sin. The goal is not no more sin. The goal is a certain quality of life, and I don't mean quality of life like have a really good life, have a really good set of circumstances. I mean, like there's horses a quality of life, and it's a different quality of life than a cherry tree has. Okay, that's a cherry quality of life. Okay, we are going to have Jesus's quality of life. He has a certain, he has certain tendencies too, just like Adam had certain tendencies. And Jesus's tendencies include living unto God. So part of embracing your death with Christ means that the resurrection entails you living unto God by the life that naturally lives unto God, not by you committing yourself or rededicating yourself or feeling obligated. Well, Jesus did something big for you. You ought to praise him forever. Well, technically, yes, but that's not the kind of life that came out of the grave. Okay? The kind of life that came out of the grave naturally lives unto God, unto his purposes, unto his desires, unto his knowledge and his ways and his motives and everything about him is back unto him. Okay, and that is the kind of life you get if you embrace the cross. You don't get your life back. Okay? And that's kind of good and like that can sound appealing and that can sound unappealing because whatever your life is about is now in the grave. And that includes the part that lies and the part that's greedy and the part that justifies itself, but it also includes all those beautiful parts that you like. Okay? So the whole thing went including your rights, you know, including You know, putting yourself forward to get what's best for you, including whatever is your personal well-being. And I just throw these things out as a challenge, not to you to go out and sell all your possessions and live on the street or something. I'm just saying, may the Lord explain this to us, okay? And may we understand it the way he understands it. But he didn't just... It wasn't just your sins that got crucified. The whole thing got crucified. The sins and the good stuff and da, 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 all, all the. Because the fact of the matter is, what sin is, is not just bad things you did, but sin is anything that falls short of God's glory. And the last time I looked, pretty much everything we do, even the good stuff, falls short of God's glory. Okay, even the stuff that we can't live without or think that he can't live without falls short of God's glory. The whole thing got crucified, okay? So when we talk about needing to know spiritually we really need to know because this whole new creation operates under a whole different set of presuppositions okay? meaning certain things are understood to be certain things are self-evident in this creation well certain things are basic undergirding natural realities in the new creation and we need to know those by the spirit we need to know it to understand how god is operating because he'll operate under certain by his nature, that's just kind of a given in a certain way. And if you don't know it, it's all confusing and not fair. Or what's what's happening to me, fighting against the Lord, okay? It's a whole new thing. It wasn't just your sins that got crucified. The whole man got crucified. The whole man. The whole old man, okay? And I'll just throw this in here, too, just to reassure any concerns. Your personality is not sinful, Okay. If you're full of Jesus or full of you, there's still certain things about you that are just you, and God doesn't hate that, okay? And just even on outward appearance, you know, God, you know, it's not brown hair or blonde hair or blue eyes or brown eyes or dark skin or white skin that, that is the thing that needs to get crucified, okay? What gets crucified is that motivating life force that is that is that is Adam, okay? So... But I will tell you this, a lot of things about you do change when you begin to embrace the cross. And what you thought was your personality may not even be your personality because it was Adamic ways of surviving and self-preservation and self-justification that had worked its way into your personality. So you need to, like, totally, as you learn Christ, you learn you. But your eyes aren't on you. Your eyes are on Jesus. And things start to just change. And all of a sudden, fears go away and certain kind of tendencies go away. And, you know, I'll use myself as an example, and this is just an example Um, by nature, I'm extremely opinionated and intense. Now, when Adam is backing that, that can get really ugly, and it hurts people, and it's hurt a lot of people, okay? Um, I don't think, no matter how much Jesus gets formed in me, I'm going to become very meek and sweet and yielding, in the sense of just like, oh, hi! Yeah, hi, oh! You know, I just don't think I'm ever going to be that. I just don't think I will. But I think the Lord can fill those things in such a way that they are a benefit to his kingdom and not a hindrance. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not stopping being, you know, passionate and start being passive. It's not about, you know, if someone is naturally soft-spoken, it's not just about, you know, learning to be loud and upbeat and peppy all the time, okay? But the Lord will fill who you are. But so much of what we think we are isn't even us. It's survival tactics. It's sin that's made inroads. And to let the Lord define you by himself and by his cross is one of the most amazing things. To begin to come out of agreement with things and say that is not who I am, even though I've operated in that since the day I was born. That is not who I am. I may not know just who I am, but Jesus does. And as long as I'm conformed to His image, what's supposed to come out is going. To, so I'm sticking with Him, you know. And all kinds of things can start changing in you, and um, you can start finding out who you really are. You know, and it's wonderful. And um, that's a secondary thing. I mean, it's not all about self-realization here, amen? I mean, the cross just dealt with that pretty strongly. But if it's really dealt with it, then the Lord is free to do some things in you and for you, to help you along and to bless you, because you're not all caught up in that. That's not your big thing anymore. You're not so in love with yourself that you're going to mistake his taking care of you as, you know, this universe worshiping you. You You see what I'm saying? He can do that now because you're not motivated by that. So, I mean, it just leaves, I mean... Our death with Christ leaves the door open for so much newness on so many levels. The power of sin is broken. The definition of who we've seen ourselves to be that has kept us back from the Jesus that we've actually wanted all along, that gets broken. The fears, the insecurities, the shame, the guilt, it all goes right in the grave. And what you've got is a brand new creation where old things are passed away, all things have become new, all things are of God. And that's where sin gets dealt with. It's not just got to deal with the sin. Oh, I lied. Oh, I lied again. Oh, I lied again. Lord, deal with my lying problem. That's not what this is about. You're totally off focus if all you're thinking about is the sin that you're committing. It's about that whole man where it comes from being understood and known to be in the grave. When you know that by the spirit, that lie will like, and you'll go, I'm dead with Christ. I'm not walking that route. It's like you come to a Y in the road and you get to pick Jesus that time. The minute that the, the cross you know, has that work in you, and then, but you don't just stop lying. You get his life. Okay, it's not it's just not lying; it is a new life, and the life doesn't lie. So it's not about lying and not lying, or overeating and not overeating, or watching too much TV, or you know, being disciplined in your TV regimen. It's about having the certain kind of life. One life will do things one way; is basically self-centered and self-gratifying, and it's this motive that drives Adam, and it's in some ways drives him. Um. On levels that he's not even aware of. He's subconscious, so it just goes, goes, goes. Okay, and then there's another life. And Jesus has that life. And that is, Jesus is that life. And it will be a certain way. And you know what? I can tell. Sometimes if I'm not in tune with the Lord, so I'm kind of like, woo, kind of just doing my thing. I can tell by how I'm just like living out here, certain things start to happen if I'm not really plugging into the Lord. I start being a certain way. Like Certain habits start to creep back in that are self-gratifying habits. And I can't live without those things when I'm out of tune with Jesus. Okay, but when I am in tune with Jesus, the way I'm supposed to be, walking in faith, aware of his, you know, his his death being my death, and, and aggressively or assertively embracing that every day as as my reality and my fellowship with Him, it's like I forget about that stuff. I don't have time for it anymore. It's not even like I got strong enough to overcome it. It just it just kind of dissipates because His quality of life does not revolve around self gratification and the need for survival and the need for Self protectiveness and self seeking, and all he doesn't have that. So if it's him living out of you, it's just you can look up one day and go, Oh, I haven't done such and such in months, you know, because you're walking in the life that doesn't do those things. So the key isn't, you know, stop lying. You lied. No, no, no. You know, you're grounded for movies for three months because you lied or doing something to like manipulate yourself. The key is to find the right life and to lay hold of it. And the way you lay hold of his life is by finding yourself in his death. And then his life begins to come forth. Um, Verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckoning is a process, an internal process, which leads you to one conclusion. And no matter how many times you reckon or go through this mental process, and no matter what angle you come from, voila, you end up at the exact same conclusion. Okay, so if you, okay, so it's an accounting term, and it means if you've ever, anyone's ever done any books, you know that you want all of your columns and all of your rows to add up properly, okay, and if, if you add all these figures ding, 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 and get 720, and you add all your figures this way, blah, 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 and get 837, you have a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach because you know that you're supposed to get the same number both times and then you start working backwards and looking for your error okay well when you are reckoning on spiritual reality that number is the same number every time and you begin to go oh my gosh i really am dead to sin you reckon it you become you begin to conclude every time i get in the word this is what god shows me it must be true oh my goodness, he just showed me this the other day, and then such such a teacher said the same thing. It must be true. And all of a sudden, these things start to click. And it's, it's a process of reckoning that leads you to the conclusion that you can stand on for yourself. That's reckoning. Okay, not just, well, I read Watchman Nee's book, you know, on the normal Christian life, which is a great book, and I would recommend it, but I'm just saying, well, I read the book, so now I know it, so it must be true. Well, that's you read what Watchman Nee knew. You don't know what you know yet. You haven't known it. (laughs) You have to know it. Well, the reckoning process is you knowing it. You coming to know it. You realizing it again and again and again and again and again. And you realize it and go, whoopee, I realized it. And you start walking and end up somewhere off the track somewhere. And you go back to the Lord and go, what just happened? And he shows you and and reassures you that you're dead with sin. And you go, whoopee, I'm dead to sin I'm alive unto God. And you walk it and walk it and you kind of get off again and have to go back to the word again. And this process happens. This knowing, knowing, knowing reckoning okay so you reckon yourself to be dead indeed into sin and when the reckoning happens that's when rubber meets the road time manifesting starts to happen okay and you can see it by the rest of the chapter um likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto god through jesus christ our lord let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body okay now he can say it and it's not going to be the law okay he can say don't let sin reign in you because you know you're dead. If you say that to someone who doesn't know, it's just the law. Oh, my gosh, I can't help it. You know, oh, okay, I'll try. I'll do my best. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if someone has known by the Holy Spirit and they are standing firm upon the reality of the death of Christ, you didn't say to that person, don't let sin reign in you. And he goes, amen. I'm not going to let sin reign in you. And that sin pops up, you go, ah. I'm following Jesus. The answer is no. And it's not the law and it's not control. It is a cutting off and a mortifying and a putting to death those deeds and putting on Christ, which is a whole other whole other passage of scripture. But this is a process that has to be worked into you, you see. And the Lord's not going to do it by putting you under the law. He's not going to ask of you, if you will. He's not going to ask of Adam what only Christ can do. Okay? (laughs) He's not going to ask of Adam what only Christ can do. And so, and and I'm not saying that any time sin is justified, so please, I hope, that that's not right into what I'm saying at all. Every single sin that you commit was a sin Jesus died for, okay? And if that was the only sin you committed, it would have been the exact same death. So I'm not saying here that, oh, it's okay that you're and you just don't know. No, Jesus died for all the sins, including the ones that you don't know about and including the ones that, where you can't, help, you can't help it. It's all under the same condemnation, okay? But you're not under that condemnation because he has taken you out of the realm of condemnation. Not that it's okay that you did it, but that he paid for it so that you don't have to. Okay, and so the key is that as long as you're under the consciousness and the guilt and the shame and all that stuff that comes with the old man right along with sin, you're never going to break from it. So the key isn't, oh, it's okay, don't worry that you're sinned, you're in Christ, there's grace. God forbid, Romans 6, verse 2, don't you know that you're dead? If you're really dead, you you don't let it rain in you. Okay? But while that's working out, if you keep going back into sin consciousness, you keep yourself in the rut of self awareness and sin because that shame and that guilt keep you there. Okay? But because that is all as much a part of the Adamic experience, if you will, as sin, shame, condemnation, failure, fear, self justification. It's all one big thing. It all is one body, if you will. It's all together. So he needs you to know that you're in Christ. the whole while that you're learning to walk in Christ. (laughs) Okay, and you need to be washed with the reality of no condemnation. Not because God doesn't care about sin, because you're never going to get out of it until your mind's renewed. Okay? So, yeah. Should we be grieved? Well, of course, because if you love God, you hate that stuff. You don't want it there. And we're not saying, this isn't a big pat ourselves on the back session, Go, it's okay it's okay, you know, you're well with Christ, whatever, it's all forgiven. That's not what I'm saying, because if you're really a son of God by Christ, you will not abide that there. That is not okay with you. It's not only not okay with God, it's not okay with you. You want the cross to be real in you. You want his life to be real in you. You know, so, but I'm saying that doesn't happen under condemnation land. It doesn't happen in the old creation. It's not going to happen if you're living in the the crucified creation. It's only going to happen as you're living in Christ, identifying with him, where there is no condemnation where there is no consciousness of sins, and then when sin pops up, it is immediately dealt with, cut off, and seen as a chance to actually cut off something that maybe you didn't know was there before, and you move on in Jesus. Okay, and it's just a beautiful way to live. It's just fantastic. And so the rest of Romans 6 um, says, um, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it in its lusts. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Why can you do this? Because you already are alive. He's not saying call it up and make it true. He's saying once you see that it is true, act in faith on what you know to be true in the spirit. Don't wait to feel it. Don't wait for, Oh, I'm feeling full of Christ today, whatever the heck that means, you know, attributing a spiritual status to an emotional fleeting moment, you know. No, no matter how you feel, no matter how awful you feel, no matter how much you're in a bad mood or you just did something wrong, you can instantly, anytime you want, if the Lord has opened your eyes to this reality, say, you know what? I am not yielding to that attitude. I'm not yielding that motive. The answer is no. I know that I'm one with Christ. I know that Christ is my life. And in faith, I'm choosing to turn right now, even though I don't feel it. Even though, you know, I don't feel spiritual. Even though I don't look successful. My faith is linked with God's. And you do that enough times, and your footsteps will start to change. And where you go, how you walk, your walk, your manifestation starts to change. Because it changes from you to Christ. Okay? Um, As those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just go on. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not. There it is again. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey. Okay? Whatever you're acting out of, wherever your actions are, that's who you're serving. Right? Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that whereas you were the servants of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which... Uh, was delivered you being then made free from sin you became the servants of righteousness okay we're just going to stop right there and i think we'll probably close the class out right now i actually put this title on the board for the next thing i wanted to share but never got there so that's okay the lord knows what needs to be said um his cross is just wonderful and it is central and it is universal for you and for me part of our minds being renewed is coming to realize it And as we realize it, that universality begins to really work out, and it becomes universal and central to everything in us, okay? And um, God's not out to get you, and he's not even dealing with you personally on sin. He really, really isn't. He may be dealing with you to bring you to the knowledge of himself and the cross, and so he may be using a specific sin or a thing in you to drive you to it. He'll do that, but he's not trying to deal with your sin. He already dealt with your sin, okay? He's not running out of patience with you, he crucified what he was impatient with, okay? And (laughs) you're one with Jesus now and you're the members of his body and it may be unformed and you may not know it, but that's how he sees you and that's how he loves you as himself, as his very bones and his flesh. And he's not out to condemn and to judge you for the things that you do wrong. He already condemned it and he already judged it. You may feel grieved in your heart, but that's not God separating you or rejecting you from himself, okay? Um that said there is no sin that is so great that's going to separate separate you from him okay and no matter what you do most of us are pretty young you know people can walk along the lord and then do things that are really bad okay? you don't know what's in your heart until you're in the right set of circumstances frankly and there may come a day god forbid i hope it doesn't but there may come a day where someone in this room does something that is really awful that they live to regret okay The cross is just as true then as it is now before you've done it, (laughs) before you have anything to really be forgiven of. okay? It's just as true. And no matter what happens to you or what man says about you or what you think about yourself, the cross is what God thinks about you. Even if you do something 30 or 40 years from now, that's really, really wrong. I hope you don't. But if you do, you know, the cross has already paid for it, okay, and you are still one with Christ that whole time. But it will just be permitted to show you that you need to know that you're one with Christ. Because such a breach would not have happened if, you know, you knew. And I just take David as an example. Who knew the Lord from a youth before Goliath days, he knew the Lord. And yet, in the latter part of his reign, there's a whole Bathsheba incident where he murdered a man to have his wife. That's all that's just flat evil. I don't, I don't care. You know, I don't care who you are and what, what kind of heart you have for God. That's wrong. That is evil wrong. OK, that was in his heart all those years. But the circumstances was right and it came out. And I'll tell you, the, the Lord that he knew out of that was something else. And while he was old covenant and may not grasp everything that we're talking about today, he knew something because he knew that his sin didn't utterly separate him from the Lord. He knew it and the Psalms that he wrote around that time. Say so. So if someone in the Old Covenant can know it when it's not even revealed, you can know it. (laughs) And um, it is possible to um, believe this for many years and still have something come up to the surface years from now. But that doesn't mean that this has changed. It just means that the Lord's got your number and it's time to deal with this area, you know, and that it's time to know him in a way that that you know him from your core. So anyway, that just being said is, you know, you tuck that away, you know, and and remember that. Um, I guess we'll close in prayer. Anyone want to close?